You are listening to the weekly sermon from Elevation Community Church in Blanchester, Ohio. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Phil Nelson. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit myelevationcc.org. We are in the second week. Hi, everybody. How are you? Welcome online. We love you guys and so grateful that you are with us. We are second, in our second week of the Line It Up series. And as we go on in this nine-week series, we will continue to line up all the key components that we find in the Old Testament and how they line up and how they point all to one person, Jesus, our hope and the gospel message in Jesus. And that's going to start our Advent series. So how cool is that? So um, the first last week, last week we looked and uh, the title was creation, creation. Everything is about God. Now I am going to ask you, if you were not able to be here or you weren't able to hear the message online, I really encourage you to do so because we uncovered three foundational columns that we are to build our life and our church and our world upon. And if we don't understand those columns and we don't start to really protect them and keep them sacred, the enemy is going to come in and try to compromise these columns. And so I can't encourage you enough to go and put that message on repeat. Take notes because it will impact everything you do in your life. So we looked at the creation was everything is about God. And man was created with a purpose to display God. And marriage was given for multiplication and a design to reflect God's oneness and relationship with us. And so that is the foundational columns of creation. Now we get into this week, the second pipe that we're going to line up is this. We're diving into Genesis 3 to see how the plan of creation and the design of creation by creator God of the universe was absolutely robbed and thwarted by the fall of man in sin facilitated by the evil one. We need to understand that what God created was absolutely perfect. He said every day, it is good. And the devil said, we'll see about that. And the devil fell from the heavens because he wanted God's throne. And we know that no one can compete with God and remain in his presence. And so a third of the angels and Satan was cast down to the earth and so now Satan's goal is to do whatever he can to tear down God's kingdom, even if that means coming after you. There's a story of an old, older atheistic barber who was talking to a pastor while giving him a haircut. And he said, the barber just really kind of just probed the pastor and said, okay. If there really is a loving God, and you've heard this, you may have even said it, how can there be poverty, war, disease, and suffering? And just at that moment, a disheveled man walked across the street and in front of the barber window. And the pastor said, you're a barber, you have been for 30 years, and you claim to be a good one well, how can you be a good barber and allow that man to go unkept and unshaven? And the barber says, wait a minute. He never came to me and gave me a chance. And the pastor said, exactly. Man are what they are because they don't come to God and give him a chance. In today's culture, 
I'm going to bring truth, and it may step on your toes. Praise God for it. The time for church comfortable sitting, seating one day a week needs to go. And if I'm not biblical, or if you feel like I'm not saying it in a loving manner, I'm asking you to come directly to me and let's talk and process it. I promise I won't bite much. In today's culture, Hollywood, Disney, it's not what it used to be. Local news, not what it used to be. Secular music industry, and even much of our public school curriculum, I can almost guarantee you every time you will not hear the word sin mentioned. To the point that sin is brought up by Christians when sin, by you and me, by people who follow Jesus, and they talk about sin, and they talk about turning from sin. What is happening in our world, I hope you see this, that we are now becoming marked haters, even in some degrees racists and sexists, because we're standing for the truth of God. And the church of Christ in many circles are becoming the enemy. It's truly heartbreaking that the concept of sin is not a part of our culture. And even worse, the vocabulary and mere mention of the word sin is being diminished in churches all over this country. Many may not see this, and it's okay. And you don't have to trust me on this. But you can guarantee that if the church does not change, the culture's look and outlook on sin It is only a matter of time, and I believe we're running out of it, where the churches that stand on biblical teaching like that of sin and the design of marriage will be asked to shut their doors and their buildings because the message we represent is hostile to the American dream. Don't bow. That time may come, I believe it will come, and it will show those whose hearts and names are written in the Lamb's book of life because they will not bow to anything that doesn't exalt the name of Jesus. Sin is a reality that we all, have to acknowledge. And if you call yourself a Christian and you don't think about sin or talk about sin often, this message hopefully will change that. If you're an unbeliever and and you just don't know about this Christ stuff, you're in the right place. We're not condemning you of sin. but there is a solution for it, and it's good news. But we need to talk about sin. You, parents, mom and dad, need to talk about sin with your kids. If you don't disciple your kids, someone else will. And that's what we're gonna do today. So I really, I literally want you to relax for a minute Can we all take a deep breath in together? Ready? Press in to God. Push away distractions. Get out your phone. I know I just said distractions. Get out your phone or a a notepad. I really encourage you, take notes. Take notes. This is jam-packed. There's no way you're going to be able to even remember 5% of it until you take notes and you look back. However that looks like for you, do it. 
Would you pray with me, Father? Make this time a holy moment. Anything said that is not of you, strip it right now in Jesus' name. Open the eyes of our hearts. Holy Spirit, push out all distractions. And Holy Spirit, you are the one who convicts us of our sin. You are the one who shows us Jesus. You are our comforter, our guide, and our counselor. And I ask that you would teach us today. We lay down unbelief. We lay down maybe even some incorrect, improper teachings that we have grown up in. Father, would you reset our hearing and our thinking according to your word, oh God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So this morning we're gonna be in Genesis 3, so go ahead and turn there. Some of it will be on the screen, but not all of it. We're going to look at three essentials to sin, and I tried my best to make it rhyme so that we could have a better chance to memorize it. (laughs) So let's try this. So these are the three essentials to sin. Number one, the root cause of sin and how it creeps in. Number two, the results of sin, especially deep within. We want to look at other people's sin, not ours. And thirdly, the remedy for sin in order for real life to begin. The root cause of sin and how it creeps in. The results of sin, especially deep within. And three, the remedy for sin in order for real life to begin. Could you read those three with me, please? Here we go. The root cause of sin and how it creeps in. The results of sin especially deep within, and the remedy for sin in order for real life to begin. Yeah. So let's dive in. Number one, the root of sin. This is so important because if you don't understand what caused sin, we can't remedy it. What? And I say this rhetorically. What is the cause of sin? What would you say in your mind if someone asked you, what's the root cause of sin? What would you say? And then let's line it to Genesis 3 and see if we're correct. How does sin creep in? Well, let's look. Genesis 3, verse 1 through 6. Now the serpent was more crafty than any other beast of the field that the Lord God had made his creation. He said to the woman, did God actually say, you shall not eat of the fruit of the, in the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, but God said, you shall not eat of the fruit of the tree that is in the midst of the garden. Neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But the serpent then said, You will not surely die. For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. And you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good, for food, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was to be desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. And she also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate. What is the root cause of sin? Look again at the end of verse 1. Did God really say? Sin is putting a question mark over the truth of who God is and what he said. Sin 
is putting a question mark over the truth of what God said and what he does and put in place. You will not surely die. Are you sure God can be trusted? Is God really good? So friends, what is the root cause of sin? Believing lies. It's not even not trusting God. It's not even doubting God. It's the first seed of allowing the lie to be planted by starting to give it thought, consideration, and even belief. The Bible tells us that Satan is the father of God created everything. Satan created lies. What do lies do? They twist the truth and they pervert everything. Lies manipulate. Lies confuse. Lies lead you down a dangerous path. And we see this with Adam and Eve. What is the root cause of sin? They believed a lie. Romans 1, you can go there, but keep your thumb in Genesis 3. Romans 1, 25, the first part of it, talks about people who sinned and they traded the truth of God for a lie. That is the root of sin. And so I want to look at three, three essentials to the root of sin and how it creeps. Can you say creeps? Creeps in. Yeah, Satan's a creep. He stands and crouches and creeps at the door of your heart, waiting for that chance to cast that line with hook, bait, sinker, ready for you to bite it. Number one, we see Satan creep in with lies. The serpent is called the father of lies, like I said, and he creeps in and he plants the seed of doubt, which then causes us to question if we can trust God. Sin at its root is the breakdown of all relationships, starting with man and God. And it's based on lies. Sin is us saying to God, we don't trust you. That's why the Bible is so clear on trusting the Lord. So creeps in with lies. Secondly, we see in this Genesis story, look at verse 6. It creeps in our emotions and physical desires. Number two. It creeps in on our emotions and our desires. Look at verse six. The fruit of the tree was good for food. She saw that it was a delight and wisdom. Guys, they already had it all. They were made in the image of God. The lie was that he was holding out on them and they could be like God. They already are. How often do we look in the mirror and we see our flaws, our failures, and we forget to see that we are made in the image of God? Someone's trying to compete with my sermon. <laughs> All right. So creeps in with lies. Number two, creeps in on our emotions, our feelings. Feelings and physical desires. Guys, feelings aren't necessarily right or wrong, but feelings don't have intellect. Feelings are not truth, but they're not right or wrong either. What we do with them is right or wrong. You see, God had already given them everything, all the goodness, everything. 
And due to questioning our trust in God, Satan creeps in with the word more. There's more. Try telling a kid who just got an awesome gift that they should be so grateful for and tell them there's more. What? You mean there's more? That's exactly what happened in the garden, guys. He creeps in with more and plays on our desires of more and emotions for more. Sin at its root replaces God himself off the throne. And like Adam and Eve, you replace the abundance that he has given you with more, with the temporary pleasures More, we're pursuing it more. We replace gold with fool's gold. Sin is all about your relationship with God that is now broken. Every time you sin, you replace God. Satan creeped in with lies. Satan creeped in. I'm playing on Eve's emotions and desires. And three, Satan creeped in to distract Do you know that 90% of all spiritual warfare is distractions? Enemy was distracting. Look at verse six. She also gave some to her husband who were with her. And what did it do? It totally distracted them from the truth. We get distracted. We get lazy. We get off guard. Adam did. Eve did. And I don't want to open a can for a whole other message series, but even though Adam and Eve, they were spiritually equal, no debate there. They were equal, both made in the image of God, equal. Not one's better than the other, not one's stronger than the other. They're equal in the image of God. However, it's very clear in God's word that God pointed to Adam and gave him, Adam, the role of leadership, which is a huge responsibility. Leadership. You're to lead by example and responsibility, not to be passive and comfortable and watch as things recklessly go down a horrible route on your watch. Men, all men, live stream, men. Phil Nelson, men. Listen up. Listen to my heart as your shepherd and pastor, but as your brother who's walking this with you. God has given us a call of leadership in our marriages, in our marriage, and in our families. Too often, men, we come home from work, crack open a drink, turn on the TV, stare at our device, scroll through social media, And check out because we had a hard day at work and we need a break. All the while, Satan is running loose in your home. You and your wife are disconnected. Don't talk anymore. You're not on the same page. She doesn't feel supported and valued by you and you don't feel listened by her. You're not praying together. You're not serving each other. You're not reconciled from last month's, last year's argument. Intimacy is stifled, non-existent. All the while your kids are in their bedrooms, on devices, no supervision, running around with kids you've never met and you don't have a clue where they are. Your family is then left only to do life separately, broken, lost, lied to. and heading down destructed paths, men on our watch. Something has to change.
those of you who are single mom in it, the dad's not in the kid's life much. I want you to know something. You're one of my heroes. And I don't know how you do what you do outside of the grace of God. I want you to know that just because a man in your life cowered out on his God-given responsibilities doesn't mean that God is not with you. God sees, God hears you, and God knows. And as long as you let him, he is going to guide you, provide for you, and lead you to lead your family. But men, it's time to wake up. And lead. Sin creeps in and lies. Sin creeps in on our emotions and desires. And sin creeps in with distraction. So, the good part, the good part, there is a remedy for sin, and the Old Testament talks all about it. Do you remember those books of Where's Waldo? I love those books because there's no words. I'm a creative guy. I'm an artist. I like pictures. And sometimes you really have to search long and hard to find Waldo. And if you look in the Old Testament, you don't have to search long and hard to see God's remedy for sin. His promise to one day take care of sin once and for all. His promise to never leave us and forsake us. His promise to be alpha and omega and one day redeem everything, restore the earth and the heavens and rule and reign with his children. It's all over the New Testament sometime, or the Old Testament. Sometimes you just have to open your eyes or ask the Holy Spirit to show you and this is why we're doing this series. I'm so excited about it because we're going to see every key Old Testament principle that we are talking about have such meaning, not only pointing to Jesus, the Messiah, but number two, pointing to a heavenly principle. Just like marriage points to the oneness and sacred relationship God wants with us. And so I want to talk about the results of sin. Forgive me, I said good news, that's coming. I, I, I really apologize, forgive me. Can we just kind of cut the brakes and turn real quick? So the results of sin, then we're gonna get to the remedy of sin. I apologize. So the biblical definition for the result of sin is in one word, death. Death, man, that feels good, doesn't it? death. The definition of death does not mean an end. We see death as an end, no more. It's gone. That's not the biblical definition of death. Death is separation. Say separation. Separation. And we're going to see several categories of death. Separation. But the curse of sin is death. Now, I want to say something very quickly. Before sin, in Genesis 3, there was no death. Scientists may tell you differently. Historians may tell you differently. Anyone else will tell you differently that this earth is billions of years old. Death was not in creation. I got two amens. There was no death in creation. No animals killing animals. No death at all. The first death was an animal that God killed 
to clothe Adam and Eve of their sin. So let's look at death, because remember, in creation, before Adam and Eve sinned, there was no death, no pain, no sorrow, no brokenness, nothing but complete perfection, unity, and life to the full. And you get to Revelation 21, and you got the byproduct, that there will be no more pain. There will be no more sorrow. The old things have passed. No more death. That was the plan and design of creation to begin with. Isn't that beautiful? So let's look at the categories of death. Separation. We're going to go quickly. Number one, spiritual death. Your connection, communication, your oneness with God was broken. Verse 7 in chapter 3 of Genesis. When they ate, their eyes were open. What does that mean? They saw evil for the first time. Oh, to go back to the life of innocence, of just knowing truth and not knowing the results of evil. They're aware of something that they've never been aware of before, the consequences of evil. Disobedience to God exposes us to a door of evil we were never designed to be influenced by. So when we sin, we open a door to evil. Number two, emotional separation. Verse 10, I heard the sound of you in the garden. Adam, and I was afraid, Adam said, because I was naked and I hid myself. For the first time, humankind, Adam and Eve, felt fear, experienced guilt, and shame for disobeying, exchanging the truth of God for a lie. Fear, guilt, and shame now was what clothed they were naked in shame, guilt, and fear. Their emotions were turned inside out because there's been a death, a separation from their well-being, a stability and security in the peace of being connected to God was severed. And thus now we live in a culture Fueled by anxiety, worry, depression, guilt, and shame. And that was never God's design. Spiritual death, emotional death. Third, relationship death. Relational death. Verse 12 and 13 of chapter 3, the very first blame game we see. The very first, blaming each other. And your desire to control and compete with each other will be magnified because of the curse. Why? We have taken God out of the center and put ourselves in. And because of that, we will have every kind of relational strife you can think of. Even in your own family. And because of death... Listen up. We are now completely out of balance in what our role in relationships are. Marriages are no longer about reflecting the image of God and becoming a team united on all fronts, glued together through the devotion of God and one another. Relationships with children are challenging and often fractured. Relationships now are centered around the individual. My wants, my needs, my body, my mind, my, my, mind. All because the curse because of our rebellion against God. Relational death. Number four, economic death. Look at verse 17 in your Bibles. It's, I don't believe it's on the screen. 17, the second part of 17. Cursed is the ground. What was perfect. Completely perfect. 
is now cursed. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain, you shall eat of it all the days of your life. That wasn't God's design. Thorns and thistles, friends. There were no thorns or thistles in creation. None. Thorns and thistles bring death. They choke the life out of other created plants. And by the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread. God's design in creation was that there would be not a single care or worry, not even a sweat dropped in providing for our individual needs and our family needs. It would all be provided and available from God, our creator. Now, due to the curse, we live in astronomical debt because we rejected God's provision for our every need. And we've resorted to our own ability to provide, dealing with the thorns and the thistles of this success-driven work culture. Economic death. Two more. Physical death. This happens when you take your last breath of oxygen and your spirit is separated from your physical body, death. You're still very much alive, but your body is separated from your spirit. Look at verse 19 in chapter three. Adam, till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken for you are dust, and the dust of the earth you shall return. When you want to live independently of God, there are repercussions, friends. Because of the curse, every single one of us will experience death, the separation of the spirit and our body. And going to the final Result of sin, eternal separation. Verse 23, so the Lord God banished them from his presence in the garden. The rest of the Old Testament, his presence has to be separated from people because of sin. Our soul is separated from God forever. And we are given to live these lives of sin forever, separated by God. Just as Adam and Eve were separated from the garden and God's presence, our souls are bound for separation from the holy presence of God because of the curse of sin. So friends, we have spiritual death, emotional death, Relational separation, economical separation, physical separation, and eternal separation. Thank God the message doesn't end here. There is hope. And the last point for today is the remedy for sin. Look back at chapter 3 in Genesis, verse 15 and 21. Number one, a child of Eve from the line starting with Eve will crush the serpent's head. That's a promise. And number two, God's sacrifice, verse 21, verse 21, God sacrifices for Adam and Eve to cover their shame, pointing to a sacrifice that will come to pay and cover our sins once and for all. And we are living in a century to where we can look back and see it all play out. We have no excuses, friends. So what I wanna do with the time remaining, if you're starting to check out, Pinch yourself just real quick. <laughs> Bite your lip. Wake, wake up just real quick because this is so 
important. The enemy is going to want to put tiredness and distractions on you because this is where the application comes. I'm going to stop preaching and I'm going to let the word of God preach to you. You can turn or it's on the screen. Ephesians 2. Ephesians chapter 2. It's after 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1 through 5. Friends, let the Holy Spirit minister to you. Once you were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the powers in the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us, all of us used to live that way, following the passion passionate desires and inclination of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger. But God, but God, so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave his life when he raised Jesus from the dead. He gave us life. And it is only by the grace of God that you have been saved. That should make us put our hands together. That is hope. That's the remedy of sin. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. There is no other remedy for sin. None. In Romans 5. Let it preach to you. Let it speak to you. Let it transform you. Romans 5, verse 12 through 21. Romans is right after 2 Corinthians. No, it's right before 1 Corinthians. Sorry. I need my index too. Acts, Romans, 1 Corinthians. Ready? Ready? Okay. But there is a great difference between Adam's sin taking us all the way back to Genesis 3 and God's gracious gift through Jesus Christ. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to all of us. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift for forgiveness to many through this other man, Jesus Christ. And the result of God's gracious gift is very different than the results of the one man's sin. For Adam's sin led to condemnation, but God's free gift leads to us being made right with God. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, even though we are guilty of many sins. For the sin of this one man, Adam, caused death to rule over many. But even greater, say greater, is God's wonderful grace and his gift caused death to rule over man. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of righteousness for all who receive it will live in triumph over sin and death through this one man, Jesus Christ. Yes, Adam, Adam's one sin brings condemnation for everyone, but Christ's one act of righteousness brings a right relationship with God and new life to everyone. Because one person disobeyed God, many became sinners. But because one person obeyed God, Jesus Christ, many will be made righteous. God's law was given so that all people could see how sinful they were. But as people sinned more and more, God's wonderful grace became more abundant. God's grace, undeserving favor. Can I ask you, friends, what does that scripture say to you? Rhetorically, what does that scripture say to you? Does it show you God's unconditional love for you? That you are worth his son's murdered death? That you are valuable 
though you are stained with sin, that his sacrifice on the cross was more than enough for you to make you right with God? Or does the scripture say to you that sin might be great in your life, but our Savior Jesus Christ is greater? Shame and guilt may be knocking at your door because of your past, but the truth that is knocking on the door of your heart is that the blood of your Savior Jesus covers it all. Past, present, and future when we confess our sins. So let the truth set you free this morning through saying yes to Jesus. That's all you have to do. Say yes to Jesus. Yes, Jesus. Have my mind, Jesus. Yes, have my sin, Jesus. Jesus, yes, have my heart. Have everything, Jesus. And because of this verse, the enemy knows his time is short and he is already defeated. We live in victory because of Jesus. Christians should be living in victory. Christians should be walking in joy that though they have so many trials, I'm speaking to myself and tribulations and suffering, we have joy because the battle was already dealt with at the cross of Jesus Christ and the tomb is empty. Water drop. So, so, we need to deal with sin. God dealt with it by sending his son. You need to deal with your sin by giving it to Jesus. A dear friend of mine, he's also a family member of our church. And I'll give you a little clue of who it is. He has been stated and nominated as one of the very best agriculture teachers in all of the state of Ohio, Eric Haig. He gave this beautiful illustration and I have to share it. Weeds, weeds steal resources from desirable plants. When you're planting a garden, weeds are your enemy. You don't like them, you're supposed to remove them. If they're not dealt with, you know this, they'll drop more seeds as they establish and they'll begin to multiply overnight. Sometimes weeds are even pretty. They produce flowers, but they're still weeds doing what weeds do, stealing resources from the crop and choking life. Weeds should be removed of the crop or it will be tainted. Sometimes removing the weeds create collateral damage, right? As we pull the weed from the soil, ripping the roots out can disturb the soil and look messy. And some will even look at it and wonder if it was worth that just because of the mess. But the alternative would be seed of weeds spreading through the entire crop. And friends, we have a weed problem in our life, and it's called sin. Sin that is allowed to grow in your lives without acknowledging it, confessing it, and receiving forgiveness from Jesus will plant more seeds of sin and multiply in your life. Yes, I know I'm going long, but this is so important. We must deal with the weed of sin in our lives. If we don't, three things are bound to happen, friends. Hear me, I'm pleading with you. Number one, you will receive discipline from your God Almighty. How many parents would not discipline their kid when they're running in the road and you told them not to? God is a loving father and he disciplines those he loves that his kindness would lead us to repent. You may be receiving discipline right now for sin that you have not dealt with. Number two, you will experience division. Divorce, division from your children, division from intimacy, 
Division from affirmation, from, from family, division. More importantly, division from God. Yes, you are saved by grace when you receive Jesus Christ. But let me tell you, when you sin in your life, you feel it. It plants a seed. What do you do? You separate yourself from God. Now, Jesus' blood reunites you with God, but you have to confess your sin and draw near to God, Hebrews tells us. And James 4 tells us, you will receive discipline, division, and sadly, thirdly, you will start to see damage in your life in those you love most. And yes, some of that damage can be restored by God himself when the other party is willing to build trust, to forgive, and to love you. Sadly, some of the damage caused by sin in our lives may never be restored while we're here on this earth. And that is the curse of sin. So if we have undealt sin in our lives, guys, even though Jesus' blood covers us and we are righteous in his sight, we still have sin clogging up the garden of our lives, choking the fruit and the joy and the goodness that God wants to bless our lives with. First John, I'm gonna share two scriptures and then the band's gonna come forward. First John says this, if we claim to have no sin, we are only fooling ourselves and not living in truth. But if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all wickedness. And Romans 6, 11, you also must consider yourselves dead to sin. What does that mean? You must consider yourself separate from sin. Because you're alive in God through Jesus. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Genesis 3, everybody. Do not present your members to sin as instruments of unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. So use your whole body as instruments for righteousness, for sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law, but by grace. Doesn't mean you keep on sinning because of grace, but grace is there that when you fall, grace is what picks you up. Friends, this is a hard one. But you're not going to experience God in your life if you don't deal with your sin. Thank you for listening to our weekly sermon. If you'd like to go deeper with another resource from our church, please check out our weekly Impact Bible Study podcast as well. Both of our podcasts are available on iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud.